welcome again to the podcast. And as you've been listening, I, I hope that you've been really encouraged to apply and to, to run the race that God has for you. Each one of us are really unique, and each one of us have a pathway set up before us, a calling that we're to obey. And as, as we've jumped into the, the whole realm of uh, making disciples and obeying Jesus, jumping into this, I trust today you'll be uh, strengthened and empowered. One of the great privileges we have in Praxis is uh, God raising up leaders around the nations to fulfill the call that God has on their life and to be part of a tribe. And one of those leaders we have is Roger. Roger is our New Zealand leader, and Roger is um, uh, a New Zealander. And um, Roger is a, is a friend and a brother and someone that I, I laugh a lot with and uh, even enjoy sharing a glass of red wine with. And uh, uh, I don't know if we've just lost half the audience there. If we have, forgive me. Um, um, but, you know, Roger is a, is a good guy. Now, Roger, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. So good to be here. Yeah, um, Roger. Uh, just as we as we uh, jump into this conversation, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your journey of God calling you right from the beginning. Let us know who you are. Yeah, wow. Um, calling to to missions, calling to the nations. Uh, really clear, vivid memory when I was seventeen, sitting in the the back of church in uh, Pukekohe, in my uh, church that I grew up in, Sunday night, uh, sitting down the back with the boys, and a guy from, I think it was Asian Outreach, was speaking about missions, and I was sitting down there, and yeah, God just spoke to me, and I just felt my heart, he he said specifically, Roger, in six months, you're going to be gone, and yeah, I just started my first uh, job, Uh, I was spare parts cadet, uh, in a spare part shop, and it was the craziest thing. And I rushed up to the guy after and said, oh, you know, can you give me some information? And he said, sure. And back in those days, you know, you had to write your address down. He was going to post it out. And I never got anything and in the mail. So I waited. And in the meantime, there was a guy, Terry, in our uh, church, lovely guy, really into missions. And he had connections and relationship with some YWAMers. And he said, oh, Roger, did you ever thought about, you know, going to YWAM, doing this DTS? And uh, in my church culture at the time, there was a bit of um, question marks about this organization. And so I was like, oh, no, 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 not interested. But long story short, within six months, I was um, flying down to Christchurch to do my DTS. First time um, in the South Island, first time on a big plane. And, uh, yeah, it was incredible. So from there, I did my DTS, went to Japan for outreach, as you do on a DTS, fell in love with Japan and uh, came back, did a school of missions, went to India for three months, had an amazing time there and came back, went on staff in New Zealand for a short time, ended up in Hong Kong with a thing called Feet Teams, which are kind of radical, um, back in the day, radical evangelism teams. We used to People used to come from around the nations and would worship God together in, in Hong Kong. Very unusual uh, in the YWAM context. We didn't have a training school. You didn't have to have done a discipleship training school or anything. People would just come. We'd literally worship God for six weeks, and that was a lot of the preparation, him speaking. We'd get into teams. We'd learn some dramas, um, do some prep like that, prepare for outreach, and then we'd go off to these wild places um the leaders would pray 
and uh, you'd end up going to two or three different countries. There's about 140 of us, you know, so we'd have about 10 different teams, 12 different teams going out. And, yeah, we was with them for three years, started to lead teams, saw amazing uh, things happen in the nations, going to, you know, crazy, crazy nations that sometimes we would fly in as the government literally was flying people out because of uh, terrorists and, and bombs. That was Sri Lanka. Uh, situations like that where you just had to trust God. And I was in my early, very early 20s um, leading teams and saying, God, I can't do this. But uh, I remember when I was leading, going to lead my first team he, on the, the jogging path in Hong Kong and, and walking and feeling like God saying, hey, you know, I've got your hand. And it was a picture of walking up a, you know, literally a, a cliff face climbing and, and he was pulling me up and he was saying, this is going to be tough. This is going to be challenging. But, yeah, I've got you. And, uh, yeah, those were exciting um, adventure times in the mid, mid-80s mid through to the uh, 1989, 1990, but over that time, I, I started to experience and see a whole lot of things, and going parallel with that, I also had a whole lot of questions. It was really interesting. I was, from an early age, um, asking questions about how does this church thing work, and I remember saying to my to my brother, who was an elder, and this is uh, when I was about 18, and, and saying to him, you know, John, how, how does this work? It seems like the only people that, and I use the term, I think, make it, um, uh, were people that became elders or pastors or went off to YWAM. But often it just seemed like others just sort of went through their Christianity without that same passion or edge often. And so I was always having that question in from that, from that young age of, God, how does this work? And, yeah, as the years went by and, and getting involved and, and starting some other ministries and, and church planting and, and carrying on with the call of God, living in uh, Japan and, and Taiwan and places like that, I guess that 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 continual question was always there, Dave. Of hey, how does this how does this work? Because we'd see amazing things, but often we wouldn't see disciples that multiplied. You know, we can think of a lot of specific examples. Um, one of them, actually, when I was eighteen, we were we were in India. We were in a really tough area. There was a lot of persecution, and and I remember that it was a day when we'd been in a, in a van and, and doing some outreach. And the van was surrounded by some very, very um, angry locals, very militant. They kind of caught on to why we're there and what we were doing. And there was a bit of shaking of the van and, and we, we sort of had to move on a bit. But, but that night we were still in the area and we'd done a meeting and we had to go. I went with a pastor and had to deliver a Bible. And so we, you know, walked through the dark, went into a, a small, a very, very small um, yeah, it was, but you know, it was more like a, a tiny sort of hutched thing. And as we we walked in, they, of course, they they greeted us and welcomed us. And the pastor gave them a Bible, and immediately they just left us, and 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 huddled around and was just so excited about having this Bible. And I just still vividly remember that because it was one of the most powerful things because. You know what it's like when you're the foreigner, and especially when you're in remote areas, you know, normally uh, you're the centre of attention. And this this family just grabbed this Bible and just took it, and it was like we weren't even there, which was one of the most, yeah, still, still tears me up today, one of the most beautiful things. And so just the, the, the preciousness and the power of the Word of God and getting it into the hands of the people, even at um, that age of 18, I, I really saw it, and it was really profound. So there's been a lot of things like that um, 
where I, I kind of experienced some really key things, but it was almost like there were pieces of the puzzle, but they didn't seem to come together that we could really see traction and, and see disciples that multiplied and, and see movement. Yeah. Uh, Raj, that's just a, a great story and so many um, threads to pick up from in, in that. But, you know, as, as you look at why um, you as a, as a young kid stand, sitting at the back of a church, you know, you kind of got this image of almost sitting at the back of the bus throwing uh, spitballs down the down the front of the bus to God capturing you, and then you then you suddenly find yourself in the nations and and doing this really radical stuff. What was it that God did in you? Um, how did, how did that happen? That God captured your heart, and and you were able to, um, I guess, jump out of the the normal. Um, rut wheels of the, the pathways that have been formed by your culture and society into world mission. And you, you kind of, you, you made a huge jump. What, what did God do in you for that to happen? Um, wow. Good question. Yeah. I mean, a part of it was definitely my, my, my heritage. You know, I really do honor my parents. Um, we had a lot of challenges growing up. Um, there was some really, um, yeah, really tough stuff. Uh, some sickness. My father had a had a um, brain tumor that was not curable, and 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 that lasted a very long time before he passed away. And 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 and, and yeah, a lot of a lot of things that were that were tough. But one thing with with both my parents is it was never a question of their their prioritizing and honoring of God. So I had a I had a rich heritage of seeing um, yeah parents that that really did love Jesus and, and honor him. Having said that, with with the um, some of the, the, the challenges, um, some of the areas in my life, you know, as a young man, weren't weren't in alignment with what it means to be a, a, a disciple and a and a follower of Jesus. And so I think that heritage and that that place that I was at and, and there was definitely a, some really good people around me that that I'd seen um, that God speaks and that the Holy Spirit is real and all those things which are really really crucial so I was in a, I was in a good place to hear from God but the the challenge was yeah to have the character and the capacity I guess which which is is being that ongoing disciple that's growing closer to Jesus and getting um, his heart and being able to walk it out and that's where I, I, I do um, appreciate that that discipleship part of um, the DTS and, and being in those formative years with YWAM. And so some some significant areas of, of um, growing growing up, um, but also just God pouring in and, and you know, the, the Father heart of God and just seeing that he is my provider. He is the one who just loves the nations, who just wants to pour out his his heart for the nations. And I remember, again, um, very early on, um, probably in that first year of, of going, that God spoke from Jeremiah 1-7 and, and said, you know, do not say I am too young. You must go every to everyone I send you to and, and say whatever I command you. And and just words like that that were that were tailored from, from God's heart. Um, and so I think that, yeah, was was key is 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 the Father heart of God, knowing that that He's with me, that He had called me, and that I'm, I'm walking with Jesus, um, and then being on that journey of him, you know, ordering some steps, 
but taking on a on a on a journey of discovery and i think um yeah so many so many kind of getting back to that that pieces in the puzzle uh, dave where I would experience remarkable things and, and they would so make sense and, and those aha moments. Um, you know, I can think of another one where again, you know, we were, we were this time in, in Japan. I was in my early twenties, um, working with some long-term missionaries and working with a, a church plant with a, with a Japanese pastor right in those, um, you know, trying to get started. And these missionaries had been pouring themselves out. They had been, um, yeah, really, um, paying a high cost. They, they, they had language learned. They were having their children who were born in Japan. You know, they were, they were immersing themselves in the culture. And we came along, you know, as our enthusiastic, um, YWAM team from, from many nations and we were doing our dramas and, and, and they were very welcoming. Yet Japan was a really tough place. So this is in the mid eighties. They hadn't seen hardly any fruit. They've been really working for quite a few years. And, and we worked alongside them. And I can remember one day they gathered these um, young girls that they'd been teaching English to. And we, we did our little presentation and we did our drama and we shared our testimonies and somebody would have shared something from the word. And, and then we were broke up into small groups and we're just talking with these girls. And, you know, as you do in Japan, you can have some really really good conversations but it's very hard for that that light to go on for any kind of spiritual uh, penetration where where they can actually receive and 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 the holy spirit breaks through and they they have revelation and yeah often it's just a an even when there's no language problem there's 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 just it's just an intellectual ascent that they understand the concept or they understand what you're talking about but it, it doesn't go anywhere anyway a remarkable this day we're having those same usual conversations that were that were kind of good and and we were sharing and they were maybe asking a few questions understanding uh, probably in a, in a way what we were saying but no no real real breakthrough and then suddenly and and with the girl i was sharing with haromi um something changed and she started to understand and and the whole dynamic changed and she started to cry. But what was remarkable is all around the room in these other little groups of conversations, exactly the same thing was happening at exactly the same time. So these girls started to um, literally yeah, weep and repent. And this was remarkable for Japan. And so this, as you can imagine, this missionary couple were, were, were over the moon and stunned. And, and it was obviously not about us at all. It was just God's timing, their faithfulness, um, the pastor's faithfulness, the, all the seeds they'd sown, the prayers, people back home praying. And so the story continued. We, we, we went on to our other nations and we returned to Hong Kong. And uh, a month or two later, maybe three months later, I received a, 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 something in the mail and it was a picture of the girls. They'd all signed it. It was a very special Japanese way that they do it. And it was a picture um, incredible. And along with that um, gift, uh, with their messages, was photos of them being baptized in a river. Was, wow, this is a, this is what it's all about. And sure enough, um, yeah, it, it, it really started something. But unfortunately, the story doesn't end well. Um, the the few years passed by and, and 
through the, the missionary and the Japanese pastor, they tried, you know, to the best of their ability and the knowledge they had to really see a church started from this and really form and, and they were starting to meet, but it never got traction. These these girls hung in there. The, what they experienced was very real. That's the wonderful thing about Japan. And when you see fruit, it usually sticks in that sense of it's it's real. But long term, it, it, it never multiplied. And um, still to this day, um, yeah, one of the girls has carried on and she's involved with the Japanese church. But it wasn't fruit that multiplied and some of them fell away. And that church plant um, eventually um petered out and, and and things didn't go well. And so that was one of those pieces of the puzzles where, you know, you can see prayer happen. You can see uh, fervency and, and the, and the laborers laboring. But then the, the next step of seeing fruit that multiplies and lasts and actually turns into a movement, um, we didn't see. So, again, that was it's another one of those pieces of the puzzle where I'm saying, God, okay, there's got to be more. Um, Another one was was persons of peace. Um, we didn't have that that term um, when this story happened, but we were in Japan and, and involved in church planting there. By this time, we had sort of hit um, the early, very early, um, two thousand two thousand and one, and the church and the mission, the, the church plant and the missionaries that we were working with and the Japanese that were working with us, we were at a point where there had been a little bit of growth and and we were meeting in a community hall and it was like okay. Let's let's see um, if we can just um, get a permanent building, then we'll really be able to do more. We'll be able to, um, you know, meet more of the needs of the community, and we won't have to set up and pack down all the equipment every week in the community hall. And it sounded like a good idea, and that's what others were doing. And again, it was a really sovereign act of God. But in that time, a couple of us um, had an encounter with some people that that exposed us to. Uh, at the time, it was kind of house church, simple church things. And it just seemed like God was saying, hey, guys, think about this. Let's try this. And again, we did. We um, Instead of going down the path that we were looking at of getting a permanent building, we, we started to meet in homes and, and we saw some initial really good fruit. And it was radical, um, especially in Japan. It's not the usual to meet in homes. And it looked like, wow, we're really, really onto something. Uh, but once again, uh, the challenge was the paradigm shift and and only knowing what we knew at the time, and so one of our um, one of my best mates and his wife, they were on a train and and they met a Japanese lady, uh, Yuko, and she was very interested in talking to them and and she talked to them and found out they only lived very um, not too far away from from our friends and from us and um, so the relationship the connection was made. Again, long story short, um, I met her and she was very keen. I, uh, part of our support strategy was to, we were supported from New Zealand, but also a bit of part-time English teaching. And she said, oh, I can find you some students. And literally probably within two weeks in her apartment complex building, she had arranged to um, book the, the little uh, meeting room every week. She had gathered all these mums and all their, their um, sort of four and five-year-old children and had them um, all organized, and I just had to show up and teach them English. It was amazing. And, yeah, she got um, saved. She became a part of this um, house church, home church, uh, simple church. 
but again, we were missing that piece of the puzzle, that, that concept of the person of peace and, and groups, not individuals. And so, um, yeah, she's still following Jesus today. She's been involved now, and, and which is great, and, and uh, DBSs and, and, and the journey has continued in Japan to, to be, be look at what we're actually seeing um, groups of mums multiply with, with discovery groups and, and capturing now that heart for making disciples. But at the time, um, we didn't know any of that stuff and we weren't applying it. And so one thing that makes me, you know, even sad today is it's not Yuko, she's fantastic. But um, as far as I know, her husband, who's an amazing guy, isn't following Jesus. And as far as I go, I know um, none of the ones in that apartment complex have become followers of Jesus. And, you know, it, it's it's... We were, we were where we were, and we only knew what we knew, and it's exactly the same today. We don't have the full picture now by any means, but um, if we had have had that concept of um, let's leave people where they are, let's support them, let's um, see them reach their, their family and their neighbours. She was such an influencer. She was such a, a person who obviously had that um, yeah, level of relationship and, and respect that she could gather these mums and sign up their kids immediately with, with, with ease. Yet, um, yeah, we, we didn't understand about leaving her and, and seeing the kingdom come into, into her world and into that um, complex. Mm, so puzzles like that, that kind of experienced some really amazing stuff that, that was so good, but didn't see how they sort of come together. So we never really experienced uh, movement. Wow. And, you know, just that was just such a great overview, Rog. You know, I was thinking as I was listening to you, you know, from a from a young 17-year-old and you, you heard the call of God and suddenly you abandoned yourself and you, you went on a journey and the journey ended up in places like uh, India and Japan and I know you've been in quite another number of other nations, but... You know, when, when Jesus called his disciples, I don't think they knew what was up front, you know, and he, he, he was walking along a river and he found the, the guys and says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And uh, there was something in that call that called them to abandon themselves and immediately follow him. And that's what we see in you, mate, and uh, it's, it's just so great. Then you're in India. The, the story of the word of God being planted and people hunger for the word and, um, you know, in Japan, um, seeing uh, God fall in miracles and, and, um, and, and also finding the person of peace as we would call them today. Um, but yet um, uh, still, still um, grappling with the wineskins, I guess, grappling with the concepts of movement. Um, uh, how did you go from there to now doing what you're doing today with a real focus on movement that multiplies and fruit that lasts and multiplies? Take, take us into some of those paradigm shifts of the journey that, that pushed you into the space that you're in today. Mm. Yes, journey. That's definitely definitely the word. Um, so we, we you know, returned to New Zealand. Um, we still carried on with those connections and feeling that, that call to the nations. Um, went to uh, a place of, of, yeah, really trying to see it happen in New Zealand when we first returned. Um, 
again, really, really tough. Um, the, 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 I guess the, 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 the paradigms or the, the wineskins that we had come to by that stage, um, was, was in this whole area of, of you know, simple church and micro church. So we were in a, a city, Tauranga, um, set up a, a business which was uh, to see Japanese come to New Zealand, have a kind of an immersion program where they would um, learn uh, English through, you know, volunteering at, a say, a preschool or in a, a, a um, shop. Um, I would coach them in language and they would, um, yeah, have some adventures in New Zealand uh, with tourism and that would be money as a business but, help fund the uh, ministry side, but also a great outreach opportunity. So we did that, um, and it worked brilliantly from the um, perspective of the Japanese coming out and them having a great time and sharing our life with them, putting them into Christian homestays. Uh, just didn't work so well on the business front, which, yeah, there's a small little thing in there where you kind of need to make sure you're feeding your family at the same time as um, going forward with the other stuff. So that was a really dry time of um, wrestling in New Zealand to see this, what we knew at the time, house church, simple church. We connected with a great local church who had kind of um, had some of the same questions. We partnered with them. And after three years of praying, walking the streets, crying out to God, I remember walking in one suburb uh, uh, next to where we lived, walking from our home and one night walking, it might have been 11.30 at night, walking along the street and and just having a real picture of people meeting around the word of God in these homes that I was walking past. And it was like, wow. And I was, I was really encouraged. And yet we weren't seeing it happen. And so we, we saw a team come together this, this, through this church. They were so releasing. We, um, they were not thinking, hey, this is going to grow our Sunday service. They completely got the concept of seeing these things multiply in the, in the, in the, harvest in the town literally and um yeah we had a great core come together we started to pray and, and was was all go and then my father passed away and it was just god just spoke and we really felt and and practically things were speaking uh, like the finances from that from the business that it was time to move and move back closer to um where my mother lived where some other relatives were and we moved to Hamilton and it was the craziest thing because we'd finally seen this team formed and we were all go and and it was a real step of obedience because it didn't make sense. And so we moved to Hamilton, uh, the team. It was really interesting because shortly after there were two doctors on the team and um, one of them ended up in Invercargill, which is the bottom of New Zealand, and the other ended up in Whangarei, which is the most northern city. And so, yeah, it, it was really interesting that God actually had other plans, but it was the journey of learning and, um, yeah, I, I guess just learning and pressing in that we were supposed to go on. And and then we returned we returned to Hamilton. I went into uh, work and it turned out to be an incredible uh, experience of learning, adult education. Uh, I had a steep learning curve. I'd learned a lot about uh, teaching English, but this was across the board with literacy and numeracy. But actually, the the, the skills that I was developing, um, both as a uh, manager and was a, ended up with a position nationwide for um, literacy and numeracy. But 
yeah, helping to train um, learners and and more importantly, train the trainers. So training uh, teachers and tutors uh, in adult education and, and just learning about the way that we learn and, and how the brain works and all that interesting stuff. And at the same time, though, there was the pressure of the um, the uh, management side of it and the government funding and dealing with all of that. So it was a, it was a steep learning curve, but uh, there were a lot of lessons. Uh, but by the end of that season, which went for about, gosh, might have been about six or seven years, the, the call to the nations hadn't changed. The um, heart for, for seeing um, yeah, church uh, multiplied. And I use that word yeah, intentionally because at, at, at the time, I think I was still probably asking the wrong question. So throughout this whole journey, probably uh, it's, it's one of those things where you're just a few degrees off, but it's enough to, to um, yeah, maybe cause some problems. But one of the, the, the key questions that I was probably asking through the journey is, how do we do church? Instead of asking, how do we make disciples, you know, and, and that, that great commission of Matthew 28, it, it says, you know, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I command and, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son. So, yeah, that was the shift that needed to happen, really clearly needed to happen. And, and so instead of looking at, you know, how do we do this thing and how do we do church and how do we do church so it's fruitful and rather than asking that question, um, how do we make disciples and how do we see disciples that multiply? So in that in that period, um, God uh, again, uh, we're going through the mountaintops as as you do in these stories. But it was quite uh, remarkable. I ended up um, one afternoon at work. Somebody said to me, "Did you know Lauren Cunningham is speaking?" And I was at a, a Baptist church, not a particularly large one. And so I, I thought, "Wow, I haven't heard Lauren for years." And so I went down. And sure enough, Lauren was there with the team and he was traveling throughout New Zealand. He must have been, gosh, I'm thinking near 80 at the time. This is back in probably 2013. Uh, no, he would have been in his 70s. And so I, I went to it and he was promoting his book about the Bible and how it changed nations. And he, I got him to sign it. He put a verse in. But I think even probably at the time I didn't realize that something happened that night where it was re, something was re-sparked in the timing and maybe even Lauren's word about the, the, the pivotal place of the word of God in the nations. And, um, yeah, my mother passed away, and it was the craziest thing. We, we as a family, within a very short time, it was less than a year, um, God had spoken about going to Scotland. And, again, it's a long story, but we ended up in Scotland. Um, I was going back with YWAM and, and my call to the nations and Roz had just finished her master's and my, it's my wife in social work and she was going to start her new career in social work. And so we, we, we with our four children, left New Zealand and went to Scotland. Uh, Roz said she wanted to do a, a discipleship training school as an entry point before she started working. We thought, wow, that'd be great. So um, it was a Celtic, Celtic Way DTS, which was a great entry into Scottish culture. So we did that. It was incredible to, to um, get that historical background and all the, the things that went with um, the amazing history of, of Ireland and Scotland and, and that um, deep, rich vein. And so, yeah, we, we did that. 
And then we had a very big surprise of um, Lacey Skye, our youngest daughter, uh, who was an amazing gift, but a very big surprise to myself and to Roz and to our other four children. And uh, yeah, what what a gift she was born in Scotland. And again, we had an amazing time. It was only a year and a half in the end, but incredible time. We uh, saw God again do lots of things in us and our family, uh, great adventures in God, great trust in God, so many miracles. And yet we really felt clearly we were to return to New Zealand. We returned coming through. Um, we prayed as a family, do we stop in Japan, where you know our younger children had been when they were young, or do we stop in Taiwan, which is where Roz and I had been before we had children? And we prayed as a family, and God said, Taiwan. So we um, stopped in Taiwan and, and with the church that we'd been working with there and a wonderful pastor. And when we were there, God spoke about universities and uh, going back to university ministry, which I had been involved in for quite a few years, many years before. And my wife, Roz, um, as, as all good wives do, she, she had a good word. She said, wow, have you looked in the mirror lately? And I thought, yeah, fair call. It has been a while, and I am a bit older since I used to work with students. Anyway, um, came back, and miraculously, we, we had a, a house provided to rent that was 800 metres from our local university, Waikato University. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. So I started to prayer walk and, and had some of these concepts of, of um, again, of, of simple church. And I've been exposed to um, DMM and disciple making. So I had some of those concepts and was just wanting to see stuff happen in the community, in the harvest. Uh, was just like, okay, God, how is this going to work? And uh, at that same time, um, Grant McAllister was back from um, – where he was and had seen movement uh, in Asia. And I, again, heard just by chance that he was doing a training thing um, one night at a church in my hometown. So I went along and he was talking about DBSs and, and things, and we experienced a DBS. And I spoke to him in the car park and said, look, I'm going back to Japan for a little bit. I'll stop in Hong Kong and catch up with you. So I, I did that. And we talked some more. And then he contacted me about this um, organization called Praxis, and they were having a tribe time. And what Grant didn't know is, as I'd been saying, when I came back to New Zealand from Scotland, God, where is my tribe? And I'd been talking with people and saying, is it back with YWAM or where is it? And when he said that, I was like, wow, okay, I'll go across, I'll go across the ditch, as we call it. I'll go to Australia and check out this tribe time. And as they say, the rest was history. I, Went there in 2018, met you guys, met the Praxis family, and it was just such a fit, and I just knew that, yep, that's my tribe. So all that I was hearing, the stories of, of applying this in the West, in the nations, really captured me, and I, um, I, I knew straight away, I was like, yeah, this is my tribe. Probably took you guys a little bit longer to think, hey, he's this Kiwi guy, but it was... Um, yeah, it was amazing. So I came back to New Zealand with that. Okay, now I've got now I've got something to um, a tribe, and I can see um, how things are going and and the the learnings about team and um, some of those things just just made sense. And I'd always been passionate about team. So yeah, that that model of 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 seeing it and then having that that heart was was so similar. So it made sense. And then it was the challenge of, but how is this going to happen? 
So to yeah, finish, I guess I'd want to encourage you know everyone that's listening that God has called us, and even though our journeys have stops and starts and, and imperfections where we've failed and things haven't gone the way that we we thought they would go. Uh, actually, you know, just just like that that seventeen year old in, in that early word that, that God said, you know, well, actually, everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. That the key to that is 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 He said, everywhere I I send you, you shall go, and it's that obedience to to sometimes we're stumbling, but actually we're, we're, we're being obedient, and He gives us the things, and He puts that investment in there. And, and as I talked about the pieces of the puzzle, you know, we can be um, sometimes scratching our heads, but God's given us pieces of the puzzle that we need for now. And and he's going to reveal and, and let that, um, I guess, he's, he's the one who's doing it. So we just need to be encouraged that, um, yeah, the pieces are there. Uh, we need to keep being dependent, keep seeking him. And uh, just like that 17-year-old, He's going to continue to lead us and fill in the blanks.